What's happening tonight, fans? Happy homecoming. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. And Eric, homecoming once again. Do you have a fond homecoming memory? Uh... I feel like this is my own personal homecoming. I, I didn't get a chance to be on last week. Brian Murphy filled in, so I feel like this is my own personal homecoming right. right now. So Welcome back. Uh, yeah, that's, welcome back. I appreciate Brian filling in as I took care of some of the things. But uh, homecoming memories, wow. I, I don't know if I really jump out one. I know everybody does the whole pond thing on the Friday tradition if you're a student. I remember that as a student, but... Uh, usually uh, games aren't that interesting in the homecoming games, except for that one year. I think we hosted uh, Houston in 09. That was probably the one that jumps out. We knocked off uh, nationally ranked Houston on that noon uh, Saturday. Right. In fact, that would that would be my number one homecoming memory that weekend. Because if you remember, the night before, men's basketball opened the season against UMass at home, and they were their uh, blacks, and, and they won the game. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, you see it knocked off Houston in that noon game, first ever win against ranked teams. So I That's guess right. that would be I was there help. on the sideline for that. I was working for UCF at the time, and uh, that was a that was a heck of a game to be a part of. It, Houston seemed ripe for the picking that game, I remember. I was actually, weird thing about that game is I was in the stands sitting with our mutual friend Matt Brodsky, who yeah. uh, at that time, you know, he now works at, C- he's been working at CBSSports.com uh, for like years uh, but back then, he, when his schedule was a little more flexible, he would come to a game a year for UCF after graduation. I meet up with him, but I sat with him uh, for that game. Uh, back, you know, we'll see how many people get to sit this homecoming. Right, right. Well, my <laughs> one of my fond memories of homecoming was actually homecoming my senior year. This was 04. This was the 0 and 11 year. Oh. oh. Uh, we lost to, okay, this was Ohio. And that was the one where Prater, Matt Prater missed the extra point in overtime. It went to overtime, tied at 10. Uh, Ohio, uh, Ohio scored. We scored right back. Kyle Israel actually got into that game and as a freshman. And Prater missed the extra point uh, that ended the game. But what I remember most about that game, I was underneath that goalpost next to Jerry O'Neill when it happened. It was just stunning when it happened. But... What yes. I remember was I was I was shooting video of the game for Nightly News, which was the student TV news program, and uh, and I'm shooting the events at halftime, and they announced the homecoming queen. I can't I can't remember her name that year. Somebody somebody emailed me with with, with 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 whoever was the homecoming queen that year, but I can see her face, and uh, and and she, they they announced her name over the PA at the Citrus Bowl, and I'm kind of right in front of her and the other four or five, you know, couples that are there. And loud as, loud as a bell, they read off her name, and I hear her go, holy blank. <laughs> right when they announced her name, which, which, let's be honest with you, if, if you're, if you're the, announced as the homecoming queen or king, that's exactly what you're thinking when that happens. But it was so, it was just, it was right there on my camera and my microphone. I'll just never forget it. Right. And I, I showed it to my friends. I showed it to my friends, Kelly and Matt and everybody in, in, the, in the edit bays in the, in the school communication the next day. And we, were, we just kept replaying it and replaying it because we were dying laughing. It was so funny. I don't know what it is about that. But anyway, whoever, whoever that was, Homecoming Queen in 2004, thank you for providing us 
with one heck of a moment because that was hilarious. All right, so let's let's dive into the show. We've got uh, plenty to cover here. UCF is playing East Carolina uh, at home. ECU comes in one and five. Um, they are not good. <laughs> they uh, UCF obviously coming off of the now. Okay, so let's talk about this Cincinnati game. Let's put a bow on this thing real quick. So UCF now moves up in the polls. Knock off Cincinnati uh, in Cincinnati, uh, fifty-three to twenty-one. The Knights are now number twenty-two or twenty-one, depending on the poll you look at. Uh, they scored fifty-three points in fifteen minutes of possession and change against the Bearcats. Um, just an incredible, incredible offensive performance. The game was stopped after three quarters plus four seconds because of just a massive storm system rolling through the the, the southern Ohio uh, area. But the Knights score, fifty, like I said, 53 points in 15-plus in minutes of possession in three quarters. Scored on all eight possessions, seven of them touchdowns. Um, gosh, I mean, what a performance against Cincinnati. And, I, I was, and I'll be honest with you, I... You know, I was a little worried, and I got called out by some people, rightfully so. Why are you worried heading into this game? Because I'm worried about the, you know, the road dog and the wo- the wounded dog at home and all that kind of stuff. And well, guess what? We took care of business. So, what did you think about that game? I, you know, I, I was just I was just dumbfounded by our offense, by the offensive performance and the defensive performance. To be honest with you, despite a lot of penalties. Well, you and Chris Felicka was worried. I think uh, the Bear in game day actually picked Cincinnati to cover yeah. uh, the spread. Um, and forgive me, it was fifty-one twenty-three was the final. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, you know, a lot. Of, it was a long night. Um, <laughs> first of all, Cincinnati's terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're not good. <laughs> they're not very good. Luke so Fickle. It, Luke Fickle it, has a long road ahead of him. Not not that he can't well, do it, but he's got a long road ahead of him. Well, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where that they just didn't match up with UCF at all. I mean, there was wide open guys in the first quarter. Traquan Smith, Snelson. I mean, they just had they just couldn't match up at their speed. They just couldn't yeah. match up with them athletically. It looked like they the, had at times like nine guys on the field on defense against our offense. And, and I, I mean, I, 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 Milton was what sixteen of nineteen for three seventy four and five touchdowns. Smith had. Five catches for 165 yards and three touchdowns, including a 79-yarder. Plus, he scored on a five-yard rush, so he had four total touchdowns on the day. I mean, it was just, it, it was it was like it was like Madden rookie mode out there. There was, and I think UCF kind of attacked them in the in the in the knew that they knew they had an advantage there. Uh, they attacked the Cincinnati secondary, and they did that early and jumped on them early. And I thought that was important. To get the set the tone early, you didn't want to come out there and give Cincinnati some confidence. I mean, Hayden Moore, the quarterback at Cincinnati, has been there a hundred years now. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could, can actually sling it a little bit. So um, I thought that was important that they jumped on them. And yeah, you know, I know a lot. Some people made some big deal about defensively giving up some plays and the penalties. I don't really get too caught up in that uh, because first of all, you're never going to play twelve great games. Um, you know, I'm a believer that every, you know, whether it be the offense, the defense, or the team as a whole, you're going to have a couple games here where you just don't play well. So I'd rather them play not play well against a team that they can uh, handle instead of a team that actually can beat them, like Navy or, you know, you, down the road with USF. So uh, I don't take too much of it from the defensive strategy. It happens. Um, I know some people are concerned about the penalties. I'm not because uh, – 
I think the approach is you got to play freely and aggressive. And when you play freely and aggressive, you're going to commit some turn, uh, some penalties. Doesn't mean you can't clean some of it up. But, uh, I rather them play aggressive and freely and, and maybe if, at the expense of a penalty or two than playing tentative. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now you're, you're playing in the back of your heels because you're worried about committing a penalty. So I think penalties numbers also get a little overblown and, are very overrated at times because you, it's not so much how many penalties, but what what type of penalties. Right. That's what I for. Because right. look, if a, if a secondary kid gets beat deep by a receiver and he and, you know he holds you know grabs his jersey so he does make sure he doesn't give up a touchdown, that's a good penalty. Uh, you know, if a kid, uh, for example, is going after you know uh, trying to be aggressive on a play, that I can handle that. I think it's the dumb penalties that you worry about more so than the frequent penalties. Yeah, I mean, there, there were penalties of. The, the, to me, there are two kinds of penalties. There are penalties of effort, and then there's penalties of stupid, right? right. A penalty of stupid is you know your late hits, um, you, you know, uh, twelve men on the field, you know, those delay of the game, those kinds of things. UCF actually committed eight penalties for forty-four yards. Now, a number of them were were on defense, to be fair, and they were, but but most of them were penalties of effort, and I actually consider offside to be penalties of effort because you're trying to you know you anticipate the snap count and do all that kind of stuff um you know holding is penalties you can call holding on any play it's just a matter of if you get caught but um looking back on initially my reaction at the game was man this defense is like is like really bad on the penalties and then and then i look back and i'm like actually there was that one sequence where i think they committed three straight penalties and almost four straight, but then inter- but then interference call got got picked up. So I I, I didn't think it was um, it, it, looking back on. I don't think it, it was as egregious. It may have seemed at the time, but it wasn't as egregious as perhaps it may have been. And keep in mind, if a defensive side of the ball for example is going to be on for a lot of snaps, well, guess what? Penalties are going to come. I mean, yeah. I don't care who you are. If you're on the field for a lot of time. You're going to have a lot of snaps, which means your defense could get a little worn down. You make a couple of penalties. And the other thing is, yeah, you might give up some points. I mean, I'm not alarmed by 23 points. The way this style of, uh, of play is with the offense going as fast as they are, you're going to give up points. Yeah. Um, it's really more about, and people have done the research now the last few years since we've seen more and more of these spread offenses, what is the points per possession? I think mm-hmm. that's really more where you could tell if the defense is struggling or not because um, the more and more you know possessions they're in the game, you're you're more frequent to give up more yardage and and play. So I I don't get too caught up in that either. Uh, like I said, and if anything, I think it's a good you know better get it out of the way now than when games matter later in the year. Well, if you're going to get some of those work out some of those kinks, it might be a good idea to do it against uh, ECU at home in your next game because. Let's compare the numbers, shall we? Right now, UCF is, uh, after the 50, 51 that they threw on Cincinnati, and again, 15 minutes and 49 seconds of possession and 40 plays. It's almost 12 yards of play that we, get, that we, were, that we were putting up. Knights are, you know, tops in the American in scoring at 47.5 a game, and they're tops in the American in scoring defense at giving up just 15.8 a game. On the other side of the ledger, you have the Purple Pirates, who are averaging just 22.2 points per game on offense. That's next to last in the league. 
and they are giving up 47.8 on defense, dead last in the American. Um, they are 10th in total offense. They are dead last in total defense. They are dead last in rushing offense. They are next to dead last in rushing defense. They're, they're just... The passing offense not that bad. They're fifth, um, but second to last in pass. De- this th- their defense is just it, it. It is its its existence is questionable. So, I you know I'm looking at this, and if I'm Scott Frost and Troy Walters and Mario Verduzco and the players, I. I can't wait until Saturday to get out on the field against East Carolina. Is there any... Now, UCF comes into this game, uh, this is according to Odds Shark, a 35-point favorite at home. 35. How much? 35. That was at 33 and a half, I think, to start the week. So. It's, it, it, I'm looking at it. It's Actually, it started... It opened at 28. Oh. And it's been... It, and it's been Bet up to thirty-five, and uh, what else is the other thing that they? Oh, uh, over under seventy-three and a half, which is actually for a thirty-five point spread is a fairly low over under, which tells me that Vegas thinks this is going to be an absolute wipeout. Um, My question is: any potential for overconfidence? This is still a conference game. At home, Knights are coming in undefeated. You're staring at one one and five East Carolina up there. You got Navy coming up in that big showdown. Uh, you know they're ranked two. I know that Scott Frost and the players this week have been saying, you know, look, we're not overlooking ECU. They're a conference opponent. You never know what the, what you're going to get from them. But God, I mean, you know, how how hard is it to stay within yourself when you when you're looking at those kinds of numbers in the scouting report? Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask. I'm the guy that wrote this week about whether college game day is going to be at the next week's game. So, oh yeah, you are looking <laughs> ahead, aren't you? <laughs> darn right, I am. Darn right, I am. So, I think that answers your question. No, I don't think there's any worry. In fact, it's funny. Um, Man, I hope you're you know, right. <laughs> We've been talking about, you know, how this team doesn't have a bye week now because, you know, they, they, they filled out their bye week with the Austin P game. Well, I would argue this could be like a de facto bye week because if UCF, I think, comes out ready to play, I think this will be a quick game and I think you'll see a lot of players play and I think that's the goal. Um, I think they're locked in, focused, and, uh, and it's a, it's a really a bad matchup for East Carolina. I mean, it may yeah. be the game was in Greenville. I could say it might be a more trickier game, but not not at home, not at night. Yeah, it, it, the kickoff for the game uh, is set for is it's a nighttime game. Um, homecoming, obviously for uh, for UCF coming in, um, you know, and everything that has to do with that. You know, uh, elsewhere around the American, by the way, as I'm taking a look around, uh, Temple is at UConn, Memphis is at Navy, so th- that should be really interesting. And you mentioned it in your piece, which you can find on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com about. Could ESPN College Game Day go live from UCF versus Navy? Well, uh, Memphis, who, by the way, their lone loss on the season is to UCF, is uh, is uh, home for Navy, I should say. UConn is at Temple. Um, Tulsa's home for Houston. 
Uh, Tulane is out of conference. They've got Florida International uh, and Butch Davis, who, if I'm not mistaken, is also undefeated aside from UCF. Um, Cincinnati's at uh, USF. So you got a, you, you got some interesting matchups right now in the conference as we're heading into the thick of the conference season. Navy right now undefeated at 5-0, and 3-0 and in the league. USF, of course, 5-0, and 2-0, and and we're 4-0, 2-0. Um, and there's your and there's your three ranked teams. Houston two and zero in the league, four and one. And then of course Memphis, who's um, Riley. You know, believe it or not, Riley Ferguson actually uh, was named Conference Player of the Week, even despite Mackenzie Milton's numbers. You know, he threw yeah, seven. By the way, by the way. He threw seven yeah. touchdowns last week. Thank you, thank you. Wait, why is yeah? I saw where some people were upset that Milton didn't get Player of the Week. Like, duh. Like if I threw seven touchdowns and tied the conference record, I think I would hope he would get the. Player of the week. I was kind of surprised that people were thrown off by that. Like, well, of course, Riley. He, well, he Milton did it in three quarters. I think that was so, kind of the, that was kind of the thing that that, that kind I would of here, got I'll give you another, feathers ruffled. I would argue that Mackenzie Milton shouldn't would not even be my choice for Player of the Week for UCF if you were going to give it to a night player. I would have given it to Traquan Smith, and I'm not just saying that because he led us to a four zero record in our fantasy picks. How that taste, <laughs> Nightline. Oh, you clowns. What did you get yourselves into? Did you hear, by the way, Fagley wants to tap out. He's already quit. He's trying Fagley to quit. Wants He's trying out. To, he wants out, and I don't blame him. I mean, he, he's over. I mean, clearly they're over their heads here. They're, we're the masters. They're not. They're very overwhelmed, and he's he's he want he's trying to tap out. Uh, I'm, I'm, I keeping give my, I'm keeping I, my mouth shut. We still got seven games to go here. Never I never count your chickens before they've had. No, and I I give Trace credit. He's not budging. He's not giving up, and I don't blame him. He shouldn't give it up at all. But uh, no, uh, you know, we'll, we yeah, we right now we're two wins away from bowl eligibility and three wins from locking it up. That's the that's the way I'm looking at it. But uh, all right, <laughs> um, no, I think Traquan Smith. I would have given it to Traquan. I think would be your better argument. Who was phenomenal. Um, I mean, they're both phenomenal, but I, I would have, if you're going to give it to one from UCF, I would have gone Traquan Smith. I mean, he was just a force. So, but McKenzie played well, and that's a good sign. It's a good thing that we're talking about McKenzie at a high level like that. Um, that's very significant. And I think that's the problem with East Carolina is I, I, here's the problem East Carolina's got. I think UCF could play a C game, a C minus game on Saturday and still win this going away. You know, I I don't want to get too cocky, but God, it's like I'm trying to figure out like how does how does East Carolina stay competitive in this game? <laughs> you know, even if UCF well, he, plays plays poorly, I mean, obviously well, somebody, God forbid, someone gets hurt. I mean, you know, but the but UCF right now could, is averaging eight yards a play. The argument you can make is that U.S. Uh, East Carolina hung in there with USF. Uh, when they played earlier this season. That was a shootout. It was a tight, you know, back-and-forth game for a little while. USF eventually pulled away. But the problem is that game was in Greenville. Right. This game is not. And I just – look, I, I think when you have 18- to 22-year-olds, you could have some lapses. I think the real answer is is UCF turning the football over. Uh, you know, that's really the way East Carolina could pull this off is if UCF turns the ball over, gives East Carolina a short field, gets off to a good start. Yeah, maybe gets UCF down early and, yeah. It's a lot of things. Basically, UCF has to help East Carolina. I don't think if this game is straight up that uh, East Carolina has a shot. I mean, they have their issues. I was in Greenville during the softball tournament talking to people in the area. And they acknowledged that this was going to be a tough year. They're still in rebuilding mode over there. And what's interesting over there, I mean, they're a proud, proud 
uh, football program and a proud fan base. As they should and, be. Uh, but as you've noticed, their attendance has dropped, and that is significant financially for that school. That school needs that stadium to be full for them to do well, and there's some rumblings whether Scotty Montgomery lasts after this season. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't follow them closely enough, but there's certainly a lot of frustration over there, and certainly uh, I don't know if they can turn it around this year or not. So they're going to try to this year, but uh, I just uh, I just think this is a bad week for them and a bad matchup. Yeah, I, uh, my hope is, you know, again, like we did last last week, you know, I had my I had my reservations, but it's like, look, jump on them early and do not let up. Just keep keep plugging. You know, go go up 28 nothing in the first quarter. I don't care. Right now the offensive rankings for UCF, number 1 scoring offense in the country, number 2 in passing efficiency, number 8 in total offense. This is in the country. 25th in rushing, 18th in passing. 27th in total defense. Ninth in rushing defense, 11th in scoring defense, 27th in pass efficiency defense, second in turnover margin. So this is the this is the Scott. Oh, by the way, and I think this is interesting. Some of these defensive numbers you do, some of them are middle of the road, like we're 88th in passing yards allowed. But here's what I think is an interesting one. We are 11th in first down defense, 11th in first downs given up. Now that, to me, is an interesting number. That's the bend but don't break philosophy, right? Yeah, now, we might give up some yardage, but eventually we're gonna we're gonna put a stop to you, and we're gonna actually and we're gonna turn the ball over on you. So I think that you know, like I said, Coach Janander um, deserves a tremendous amount of credit, and we, and and I just I just hope that UCF fans just sit back and take this in, take in what is happening with this team. Because it's it's rare that you see that that you see performances on both sides of the ball like this that are this consistent, right? And this spectacular. Just sit back and enjoy it because it is really something to watch right now. So, um, again, you know, looking at now, you had mentioned, and before we and before we go, I want to get into this. UCF right now, twenty first in the coaches, twenty second in the AP. Mm-hmm. East Carolina this week, seven o'clock. By the way, this is uh, this is on CBS Sports Network. This game, um, assuming UCF takes care of business against ECU, they head up to Annapolis and play Navy. Uh, that game is also scheduled for CBS Sports Network next Saturday at three thirty. Right. Assuming also Navy gets through Memphis, you got your piece up there about um, about could ESPN College Game Day go live from UCF versus Navy? A lot of people out there reacted to it saying, "Oh, come on, they're not going to go live from a non-ESPN game," which is probably <laughs> the best argument. But let's clarify for everybody out there that has not stopped ESPN from going live from a non-ES from from a, from a non-ESPN yeah. game. They've done you know, it. They've done it before. At uh, I know they've done it before for Auburn, Alabama, and a few other SEC matchups week. with CBS. They did it last week. That's right. They, they did it for TCU West Virginia, which is an FS1 game. That was last week. They're right. in James Madison this weekend. This just in: James Madison, not an ESPN game right now. So, <laughs> right. Um, that was fascinating. That a lot of people had that negative perception. And I, if, to be honest, if I'm College Game Day, at least that that would be a little concerning. 
that that's the perception out there that you're not going to go to the best games. You're just going to the ESPN games, um, which I know they have fought. They have fought that. But and look, I mean, and it, it, part of it is ESPN has a lot of games. So yeah. the percentages are you're going to pick an ESPN game. Um, and as I broke that down in the in the in the story. Um, I'm, look, I think, yes, uh, Penn State, Michigan, which is the ABC primetime game that Saturday, which I think you would agree is become the marquee now slot in college football. It used to be CBS at 3.30. You would, was the marquee slot. Uh, but well, because that was, well, because that was, that was, you know, the SEC. And then, you know, back when we were kids, it was that, it was that 3.30 game on ABC, you know, Keith Jackson, Bob Greasy, that was the big game, right? But now the way the sport has gone, everybody wants to play at night and everything. And that ABC uh, Saturday night franchise, which they have started, I think it's been now going on 10 to 11 seasons. Uh, that's become the most of the time it's the most watched game of the weekend. Uh, there obviously are exceptions. But so obviously, yes, they would like they would try to go there. Part of it is to make life easier in Kurt Herbstreit, who has to do game day and then do that Saturday night game. So obviously, if they're in different cities, he's got to fly out to the next game. Like, mm-hmm. for example, this weekend, I believe they're in James Madison. After that, he's going to fly out to Tuscaloosa to call the uh, Alabama-Arkansas game with Fowler. And I think a part of that is because I don't I don't think they want him to go west coast to that USC-Utah game, which is on ABC because it's a long flight and it's kind of – touch and go from a timing standpoint and i don't and they clearly wouldn't have time to go to the oklahoma texas game which is a 330 kick on abc on espn so um yeah they try to pick a game that's a marquee game that picks them but look they've done these type of games before um and again i I, for the record i didn't i'm not saying that they're going to go to ucf navy i'm just saying there's a chance yeah that's all i said i mean even the story i still make michigan penn state the favorite what I basically made the argument for is with Michigan losing, and not only losing, but they look terrible. If you watched them against Michigan State turning the ball over five times in the yeah, loss it was pretty the bad. Honestly, I think they're going to get crushed by Penn State. So what I made the case is I think losing Michigan losing uh, opens the door a little bit. And by the way, Michigan's got to play at Indiana this weekend. Who's to say they don't get upset by Indiana? The way they're playing, and if well. they get upset, that's two losses. I mean, Indiana. It can is move Indiana. The ball. I'm not saying I would bet on. I'm just saying they can move the ball. So all I did was, what are the contenders for game day? Because I have been to a number of game days. I have been, um, in fact, the most recent game day I was at was four years ago with Miami played Florida State, and I had access to game day as far as what it was like. Mm-hmm. And I know how they think, and it's not its not like, hey, which one's the ABC game next week? All right, we're going there. They do have a process of going through the games and thinking what's the best you know, location to go, what's yeah. the best game, storylines, et cetera. You may not agree with them on, a, on some of their decisions, but that's, they do go through the process. So that's what I did. I went through the process and said, look, if, if UCF and Navy – both in the top 25, both win this weekend, both are undefeated. You know, I think they'll give it a look. They've never been to Annapolis and you know, and game day likes to do that. They like to cross off a city or a campus, whatever they haven't been to. They've teased Navy Pullman. Navy would be Washington. a good place to go. 
Correct. I mean, Air, Air Force has hosted game day three times. Army's hosted on campus. Navy's never hosted in Annapolis. So this might be their best shot to go there if they want to yeah. do it. Now, then obviously there's a security question, you know, whether, you know, with obviously the naval base and everything, can you host game day and stuff like that? There's some logistics possibly that could be a question. And look, as I said in the story, if Navy loses to Memphis, it's a moot point. Then mm-hmm. I think it's done. But if Navy wins and UCF wins, I think they get consideration. And I think for people to dismiss that is, is kind of, I was kind of surprised by that. Maybe those are the same people that don't go to home games. <laughs> well, I think you gave uh, Michigan Penn State a 50% chance if Michigan wins on Saturday. If UCF and Navy are undefeated coming into that Saturday, you gave it a 40% chance. If UCF or Navy, or Navy lose on Saturday, it, that bumps down to zero. So uh, USC Notre Dame five percent, and then you said best of the rest, you know five percent, you know possibly uh, possibly uh, Pullman for Washington State. Um, I know that they would want to go there eventually, especially if the the you know the the Mike Leach thing continues uh, to work up there in Pullman. So that should be an interesting thing. Well, one thing that they could definitely profile, aside from of course you know the you know, you know Navy and all the tradition that we know that's up there, we know a few night folks are going to be heading up there. I know you're going to be heading up there. Um, to Annapolis. That's the plan. That's um, the plan. I know that one thing that I'm uh, that, that I'm that, that we're probably going to hear a lot of heading into that game, regardless, is you know Scott Frost and UCF's offense. And I wrote about that this week in uh, in on BlackAndGoldBanner.com that you know, and I looked at the numbers, and we are on pace to rewrite a number of school offensive records this year. Um, team offense, we are on pace to beat. School records in points per game, total points, total yards, total yards a game, yards per play, and touchdowns. All on pace to beat them. Uh, we're on pace to get a solid. Uh, this this is what I thought was amazing. Rushing, okay. We're on pace to get a solid second place uh, all time at UCF in rushing yard total rushing yards for the season. Right now we're scheduled. Right now we're on pace for about two thousand six hundred sixty-seven yards a game, uh, yards for the season, total rushing. Now, two thousand seven, the Kevin Smith year, you're just not going to touch that. That was thirty-two eighty-seven. That was you know, thirty-two hundred yards rushing, almost thirty-three hundred in in one season. But second place was twenty ten. We got we got about twenty-six hundred yards. We're on pace to beat that. Uh, we are on pace to uh, set a new yards per rushing record, uh, yards per rush record. We're on pace for a solid second in rush yards per game at two twenty two point three, and we're on pace for uh, to tie third, the third best total for rushing touchdowns. Again, those are the rushing numbers that were that are you know competitive or right up there with you know I mean take out the Kevin Smith year and. You know, this this year's team's right at the top of rushing. Then we go into passing, right? Um, chance for a, a, a all-time passing record for total passing yards. The record's 38-37 back in 2002. Um, pass yards a game, we'd probably, we're on pace for third all-time in school history. On pace for records on yards per attempt and passing touchdowns. Mackenzie Milton is ready to rewrite the record books on yards per pass, yards per completion, touchdown passes, passer rating, um, 
pretty close. He's in, you know, set up for fourth all-time completion percentage in passing yards. Traquan Smith is on pace to set new records. Adrian Killens is on is on pace to break his own yards per rush record. Um, this team is 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 a, is almost an outlier. It's that's how good they have been offensively. I mean, it is. And this got me thinking, and we'll, and we'll do this before we get before we get to the break, Eric. So the, the the teams that kept popping up in terms of the great offensive teams for UCF, obviously 2007, the Kevin Smith year, 2002, which was the Ryan Schneider year, um, yeah. where uh, where he set all kinds of UCF passing records, and 1998, which was Dante Culpepper's senior year. Of those three teams. Which offense do you take? Whoa. Different times, right? I mean, they're completely different offenses. So, you know, the Kevin Smith one, that's a one-man show. With all due respect to Kyle and, you know, the passing game, that was a one-man show. Um, I mean, Culpepper was fantastic. But, again, you could argue he kind of made that offense go. This Speaking offense Speaking of one-man shows. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I know Brian Murphy brought this up last week when I listened. I think he was, and you can correct me if I was wrong. I don't want to make it sound like he said something he didn't. But I got the impression that he thinks this team is better than 2013 as a whole. Uh, because, one, you know, when you think of an offense, I think that offense with Blake at quarterback, with Storm running the football, you had Stan back. The receivers that they had, that offense was just as good as any. Now, again, it was a very a well-rounded that, offense, and they're, uh, they, they, but they didn't, they weren't a record-smashing offense well, for UCF. It's a completely different offense, though. It was a preset offense. They didn't go no huddle. They didn't go fast. Remember, this offense has more possessions, more plays because they're going faster. Um, so, uh, it's hard to compare those offenses to those previous offenses. You know, the O2 offenses and so forth, um, because they're completely different styles, different times and everything like that. Um, I just found it interesting that Murph said that last week. I'm not ready to go there as far as the 2013 team yet, but look, I mean, I think there's certainly a possibility that you can look back and say that this offense might be one of, if not the best offense UCF's ever had. And I think the telling sign will be obviously how they finish this year, mm-hmm. how they go. And then how many of these guys, you know, end up being successful elsewhere? What ha- Like, I think Traquan Smith is a future NFL guy. Um, certainly some of those running backs are talented. Who knows what what the future holds for those guys here at UCF and beyond. Um, the offensive line has only given up one sack to this point. So certainly That's there's amazing. cases to be. It's there, But, again, there's still a lot of football to go. And keep in mind – you know, some of these, you know, the, the schedules are different. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, the 99 UCF team, for example, they pl- opened the season playing Purdue with Drew Brees. They played at Georgia Tech. They played at Georgia. They played, you know, it, it, at Florida. So it's not, a, you know, it, that's you're not going to put up big numbers playing those teams. Um, you look at, for example, the 02 UCF team you were talking about, uh, that, that was a pretty good one. Um, that team lost, that but that, that team went seven and five. But four of their five losses were by five points or less. Three of them were by a field goal. 
they beat Ben Roethlisberger in Miami of Ohio to end the season yep. there in, young, in Miami of Ohio. Yep, young Ben Roethlisberger, too. And they, uh, they, they, their losses on the year, they lost at home to Syracuse 38-35 in a game that they had a lead. They lost at, home to, uh, it lost at home to Toledo 27-24 in a game where they also had a lead. They had four possessions to beat Marshall on ESPN2 on a Friday night. Couldn't get it done in Huntington. Uh, and uh, and the other close loss they had, we got blown out by Arizona State and Phoenix, but um, but the other one was in the uh, the season opener at Penn State, then ranked number twenty three. Uh, in right, a game where actually Penn, Penn State actually dominated the game, but then we scored I think two late touchdowns right. to get it within right. get it within three. Tough schedule though. There's some you know Syracuse yeah. Penn State. So, so I mean first year in the MAC. Yeah, first year in the MAC. So they're apples and oranges, different times in the program. Um, you know, I, I, I want to wait and see what happens here. Um, the good news is I don't think there's anybody on the schedule that will be able to slow down UCF, maybe until USF, maybe, um, maybe the bowl game. Um, so they're going to still, I think, unless UCF, you know, I think UCF's biggest nemesis will be UCF from here on from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, you're right. I mean, they have the ability to put rack up numbers and, Certainly be in the conversation and be right, and certainly be right up there. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it, it, those are things that we're going to be following, you know, throughout the year. You know, do, do, does uh, do the numbers fall for Dante Culpepper, Ryan Schneider, and Darren Hinshaw? You know, um, you know Bernard Ford, Brett Cooper, some of those guys with Traquan Smith chasing after them. Um, if things continue at this pace, we will. This team could be a real all timer for UCF. So again. Playing East Carolina homecoming, seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock game on CBS Sports Network. How many people were getting there? How many people were getting there for the what is this space? What's the theme here? Spa- space? It's the space game. Isn't I love like the your, helmet. By the territory? this is this is my oh yeah, this is my wheelhouse, baby. I love it. Uh, I love the helmets. Um, I kind of wish we did a little bit more with the uniforms themselves, but I get it. Um, you know, I, it, you could you could really you could really go all out with that uh, if you if you really wanted to and kind of make them you know look you know make our uniforms look like Saturn Fives if we wanted to. But um, I like I love the helmets. I really do love the helmets. And uh, and did you notice the little jab at USF? No, uh, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> no, pull me in ah, on this one. Okay, so the helmet stripe. All right, you're gonna like this. The helmet stripe has um, uh, these. Uh, it, it's got it's got pictures of constellations on it. It's like a picture of the, of the nighttime sky with uh, with you know constellations. And there's and there's a few constellations that are that are on the stripe. Um, one of them is of course Pegasus. Uh, that's one constellation. One of them is the is Orion the Hunter. One of them is the constellation Corona Borealis, the crown. Okay, so we have, so we have Orion the hunter, a crown, a horse, and the bull, Taurus the bull. And on the website, it says, you know, it, it mentions. All right, here's the here's the constellations on the on the stripe, and it says the bull, the victim of Orion's strike. Taurus represents the opponent and the conquered. Not so subtle jab at USF right there. Ah, see that stuff goes over my head, so I'm glad you figured that out. 
I'm well, also no, I didn't figure forth. it out. They they had that right there on the website. But it, the we have okay. looked at. But but I was like, yeah, okay. By the way, there's also the twins, Gemini, and the sextants used by astronomers to measure the position of the stars. But still, that's 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 not that's that's not very subtle. <laughs> well, I'm headed. I'm working at the USF campus this weekend, so I'm playing nice this weekend. So I will I'll, I'll defer to you guys on that. But that's oh, good. Boy. That's creative. Uh, it's fine with me. Uh, We'll see how many people come out, and uh, should be interesting to see what the homecoming crowd will be like. And uh, homecoming should be a big event. I'm expecting a very good crowd. I don't know if we'll sell out, but I think we'll get close. I think it'll be the biggest crowd of the year to this point. Um, you have a number? Uh, let's see here. Let me pull up the. Let me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go forty thousand. Hmm. 40,000. Yep. <sighs> Makes sense, right? Homecoming. A lot of people make plans for homecoming yep. weekend. Uh, just for fun, I will take the under into 40,000. Under 40,000. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see. All right. I, there, there's some reasons for it. I mean, East Carolina is not very good. I think that's going to, to – it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting to me. And I've said this, and people don't like when I say this, but historically – when UCF is playing at the same time as a Florida game, it affects the attendance a little bit. It's affected them when they have had home games against Florida, Georgia. This weekend, Florida is hosting A&M. Same time, it's a night game. I think some people will just kind of either go to that or some people will just stay home and watch all of it, uh, which, look, television and HD and streaming and bars, that's that's a factor, too, in the entertainment dollar. So uh, hopefully you're right, and you can laugh at me next week. Uh, but I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 36. Oh man, boy. <laughs> People's heads will ex- like just blow up if that happens. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. I, I'm going for 40 just, be, just based on the draw for homecoming and, and also the hype with this team, you know, now 21st in the country, yeah. the offense, the whole thing. It's like, it's like now I feel like the momentum is starting to pick up now. So. Uh, we got a real winner, and this should be, and, and hopefully we'll continue to have a real winner here uh, against ECU. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Uh, we got a little bit more to talk about. Uh, other, it, all the other sports as well women's soccer, men's soccer. We'll catch up on volleyball after this past weekend, and uh, we will catch up on, and we'll catch you up on everything else. Stick around. Black and Gold Banneret Podcast back after this. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Don't forget uh, to uh, follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. We're going to have another live blog of the homecoming game uh, this coming uh, Saturday, uh, UCF against ECU. Uh, and we will also have 
Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. We're also on Facebook. Follow us there. Give us a like at Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, and hop on blackandgoldbanneret.com where we have uh, where we've been stepping up the content for you guys uh, all throughout the year. Um, thanks, huge thanks once again to Brian Murphy who's just been who's just been a total ace this year. And uh, in terms of you know the previews, you know the press conferences, everything, it's just been boy, it's been it's been awesome. He he's and and thanks again to him for filling in for you, Eric, last week. Did a great uh, job. I mean, I would say. I, I thought I was going to get uh, Drew Bledsoe and uh, just got to be replaced by <laughs> Tom Brady. Dipped. Yeah, I see. I went with the more modern era. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people in our audience know who Wally Pipp is, unfortunately, at this point. But... Oh, give me a break! With that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. By the way, did I hear Andrew there and Trace? Did I just hear them there a little bit? Yeah, you did. How how many wins they have this year? That would be zero. They have as. Oh. They they Ouch. are they are still behind. Boy, you're just not going to let them. You're, you're not okay. Listen, don't well, don't the, don't be wait, wait, that guy. We, don't be that where, guy. Let's 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 behave gracefully. Did we ever here. figure out what we're doing for dinner? Did we ever figure that out? Because they're making liners about steak and chicken stuff. I assumed steak and that we would eat. <laughs> I assumed. I yeah. I assumed we would just eat at Burger U, which is where they do their post game shows right. uh, after home games, which is great. I actually recommend that. I mean, I'm joking a lot. But they do a great job with that, with the post game shows. I love the post game show. It's become like, it, it's become like go to go to content for me. So wow, there you go. So I was After just assuming yeah. that we would just they could just buy us dinner at Burger U at the end of the year when you know we lock you know as a you know when we recap the season something like that or after a basketball game. I thought that was kind of the idea there because they do have uh, that's kind of been the place to go now. I think for UCF fans, obviously the coaches' shows are there. Uh, mm-hmm. That's another option we could do. We could do it. They could pay us off after, uh, at a coaches' show, maybe a Johnny <laughs> Dawkins show or something. Like that. Who knows? I, I, you know, but you know, the, I mean, they they should start thinking about that. Save your money, guys. Save your money because it's coming. Look, we're not gonna we're not gonna make him do Ruth's Chris as much okay. as we would, as much as we would like to. You know, we're fair. We're we're, we're fair. We're fair minded individuals. And, I will uh, say this. I will say this. I mean. uh if we do this for basketball, Trace has got a lot of experience in this. He did this. He's been doing this for years in basketball, so I will warn you about that. Oh boy! <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, that's how I got the. That's how we got the idea. I've sat with him with everything on the line at basketball games. It's it's intense. It's very intense. I'll leave. I'll leave. I'll leave that alone between you guys for basketball season. I just. Like, right. I just like our winning streak here with football. So, all right. Uh, let's uh, let's catch you up on everything else that's going on around. Uh, UCF sports right now. Uh, women's soccer. They just keep rolling, man. Uh, 9 1 and 1, 5 0 oh, and 1 in conference. They've won five in a row. Uh, they are unbeaten since the, since the opener, uh, which was at number four, South Carolina. Um, they're just smashing people right now. This is really something to watch. Uh, last weekend, uh, they uh, last Thursday rather they they beat Houston four nothing at Houston, then drove down to Dallas and beat SMU four to nothing in five. Let's see six conference games so far. Tiffany Roberts Sahadak's team is and I'm doing the math in my head right here. Let's see thirteen and to twenty. They've outscored their opponents twenty three to one. In six conference games, 
Amazing. Uh, right now, like I said, they're 9-1-1. One, and one. Look at the rankings. In the women's soccer RPI, they are 7th. They've actually dropped a little bit in the RPI. Uh, in the yep. United Soccer Coaches rankings, they are up to 8th. They moved up another two spots in the polls. So they're 8th behind West Virginia, just ahead of Texas. Florida, by the way, is 10th. Stanford is number 1, followed by UCLA and South Carolina at three. South Carolina, who beat us uh, two to nothing. Uh, North Carolina, who we beat in overtime, is fifth. So, yeah, UCF women's soccer, man, they just get, you know, this team just continues to roll. Um, I'm looking up at the stats right now, and I wanted to I wanted to bring this up because it's it's just it's just been an amazing performance this year from Vera Varis in goal. She's gotten some help from Chloe and Gazi here and there as well, um, but you know Morgan Ferrara is just having a, a an amazing year, eleven goals, uh, and she's been picked up by Kayla Adamek and the newcomer Dina Orshman, and uh, man, I mean, it's just all coming together for Tiffany Roberts, the Haydack and Company. They're a machine. You pointed out that they dropped in the RPI, which might sound crazy considering how they dominated this weekend, but this is the flaw that a lot of people, and the criticism that a lot of people have with the RPI, and that is, you know, if you're playing teams that don't have a very good RPI, you could beat them 10 to nothing, and you're still going to drop a spot or two. If right. you lose, it's catastrophic. And that's the concern that I have. That's the one concern I have about UCF going, moving, you know, as we move forward, you know, and and I've had this argument, and I've, I've screamed about it in softball, and it's the, but it's the case in every sport. I know Todd... I've spoken to Todd about this at volleyball. It's the same, it's even a bigger problem in volleyball, as we'll get into later. Um, you almost get punished for games that you have no control over. Like you have to play your conference games, and if certain teams in your conference aren't very good, you still have to play them. I mean, what's so laughable yeah. about the RPI? It's like two years ago, and I, we've joked this. UCF got snowed out in softball playing Connecticut which actually helped them in the RPI because that was two less games they had to play against Connecticut. <laughs> if they would have played those two games, okay, and swept them, they would have won a share of the regular season title, but they would have been hurt in the RPI. That's how ludicrous it is. Right. Um, that's why I think it's interesting, and, and I don't know, people have kind of gone under the radar in this. They're playing at LSU this Sunday, and the LSU RPI is 27. So for those that forget, LSU was supposed to come to UCF this year. They were supposed to play earlier this year in September, but that was on that Friday before Irma. If you remember, that was the same day that UCF Memphis got moved to and got canceled. So they canceled the UCF LSU game. Well, LSU was here. They were here in Orlando. So, uh, one of the reasons why, as, as I understand it, the game was in Baton Rouge this time, because some people have asked me about that. Why is this game in Baton Rouge not back in Orlando? Like it was originally scheduled. Well, part of it is because LSU was already here. And, and we've talked about this last week and in previous episodes, Jeff, with Olympic sports, there's budget questions you know yeah. it's not as simple as hey just get on a plane there and we'll just come back there well you got to reschedule flights and, it, you gotta... and, it's not, and it's not like you can just you know ring up the the atm and poof you're right. in baton rouge you know right uh so that's part of the deal there and so plus lsu is home this week uh this weekend for conference so they just figured decided you know what let's let's just go there because i think ucf wants to play this game and so you know what we're gonna go to lsu we're gonna play that game and you know what from an RPI standpoint, it's the smart decision by Coach Zahedek. Why? Because you re get rewarded more by playing on the road anyway. Right. So an LSU's RPI is 27. 
from the SEC. So let's say UCF can get a result there and win. Now your RPI stays up there. And that's my big concern because you look at the rest of the schedule, and I know you're going to have it with you, you're going to mention it here uh, in a moment. You know, there's going to be some games that uh, they're not great RPI teams that they got coming up here that could hurt them. And I think that's important because right now UCF being ranked in the in the eighth in the polls, they're in the top ten in the RPI. That's very important. Chris Henderson, who we've had on this show, and I and we're definitely going to have him on again. Uh, probably on the week of the conference tournament like we did last year, covers uh, women's soccer and, and, and as good as anybody um, uh, does his projections. He currently has UCF as a number two seed. Now, soccer is a little str- different than the other sports in that they don't seed the teams, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, like the other sports. What they do is they break them down into – top two seeds in each region Mm -hmm. and why that's important if you're a top two seed okay like right now ucf's a two seed what that means is ucf could host every ncaa tournament game up until the elite eight up until the elite eight if you're a one seed you host every ncaa tournament game up until the to the college cup which obviously will be where again oh that's right right here orlando yep so if you're a three seed, for example, then that's different. As a three seed, you get to host probably the. Or you, if you're not a top two seed, you got to go to that two seed spot, for example. So that that that's significant. If you're UCF, you're hoping to play yourself into a one seed. If you play yourself into a one seed, now all of a sudden you're playing all of your games in the postseason in Orlando. If you're a two seed, you may have to go on the road for an elite eight matchup. Uh, if you're dropped to a three seed, now all of a sudden you may have to go to a, a and we've seen this his, the last decade, Jeff, with UCF teams that've had to go to Florida or they've had to go to a different locations for a weekend to get out of there, uh, to get out of in, in advance of the Elite Eight. So that, that that's something to monitor, and so that's why it's important for UCF to maintain that high RPI, try to stay in that top eight RPI if you can. And then obviously keep winning. Obviously it's the basic stuff. But if you're UCF, you're trying to, you know, stack it up to where you're a one seed or a two seed. So teams come to you instead of you having to travel to a Florida or Florida State or how about this scenario playing UCLA? Yeah. Oh boy. Which wouldn't that which, be something? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's why I, I think the LSU game is big from that standpoint, Jeff, because if they can pull off a win on the road there, that's a top 30 RPI win. That will help their RPI, and that's significant um, moving forward uh, because that's important. Uh, let's be honest. It's easier to be at home. Uh, now, UCF's going to host the opening round, and hopefully at the, at the track they're going, they'll get to host. And the way the soccer tournament works, it's a little different than the other sports as well. Um the top 32 teams get to host the first round. So the first round, it's at the home sites, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. Then the second weekend, it's the second round and the third round will be hosted by the team that's a high seed. So, for example, UCF, if they're a two seed, they would host that round, which is obviously the, the second round in the Sweet 16. And then if UCF is still a two seed, they probably would have to go on the road in the Elite Eight unless – the one seed that's in their bracket gets knocked off. Right. That's why it's so important, you know, and, and that's the tricky part. I mean, I know our friend Amanda Cromwell, last year UCLA got to the Elite Eight, but they had to go to West Virginia. And you know what happened in December in Morgantown, Jeff? It, it snowed. snowed. Right. Guess who won? 
<laughs> West Virginia. Who ended up winning, yeah. So that's why these matches are very critical uh, because I think this UCF team, Jeff, has a chance. You know, we talked about in the last segment about how this football offense and how good they – I mean, this offense for UCF is as good as maybe any offense we've seen from UCF soccer in a while, in, in a long time. And that's saying something. This team has a chance, is very special and they've got a lot of chances to do a lot of great things. They're just trying to put themselves in that position. And that's why this LSU match is huge. And obviously finishing strong is big. And, you know, it's a bye week and it's, it's important because there's really the American conference race has turned into a three team race. It's them, Cincinnati and USF. And remember this, the regular season, UCF ends it hosting USF. Yep. Yeah. Yo. Uh, one little interesting tidbit that I actually uh that that I that was that was brought up uh on Twitter, Top Drawer Soccer, which kind of does some independent um uh, independent rankings. Uh oh Garrett Weiss. Garrett Weiss on Twitter actually sent this over to me. And so thanks to Garrett. Um he's been following UCF women's soccer. Last week, Top Drawer Soccer had UCF as 21st in the country. Uh, this week, with the two wins in Texas, Top Drawer moved UCF up to ninth. So, hmm. All of a sudden, it seems like Top Drawer Soccer started paying closer attention to UCF real quick. And I think the nation's paying closer attention uh, to UCF women's soccer right now. Because of that, Alphonse, I'm so glad you made that point about LSU. That's a, that's a top 30 RPI game on the road. You get bonus points for the road, like you said. Then you got UConn. You, then that's the last road game of the year, by the way, before the uh, postseason. So, you know, then your last three games of the year are home for UConn, home for Temple, who are, you know, middle of the road in the American. Well, it's, UConn's, here's, here's UConn's my point. two and two, Temple's one, two and one, and then you finish up with USF, who uh, right. who is nine and three. Five and one in the league behind, just behind UCF, and they're twenty-eight RPI. So, uh, right. so, so that so that's two out of your last four against RPI top thirties. That's huge, and that's why they needed to get this LSU match in UConn, for example, one forty-five RPI. That yeah. doesn't help you. One, you know, uh, that that hurts, and there's nothing UCF can do about it. That's a conference game; you have to play it. Temple, by the um, way, two hundred eight RPI. Correct. Absolutely, and that's a concern. And there's again, it's the <laughs> they're, flaw. They're 13 that's spots flaw. behind Fairly Dickinson. <laughs> that's the flaw with the RPI. That's why I have a problem. It's not just a soccer problem. It's 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 an all every sport. I mean, you bring this up to Todd Dagenet, he'll get go. He'll, he'll get going on this, and I agree with him 100. percent And I and it's my frustration in softball. That's why I think the committee can't just base everything on RPI. There has to be. Uh, an eye test, and that's my frustration with committees, and that's why I'm always cynical. It's like, don't just go based on RPI because that's just part of the story. Look at the team. Are they one of the eight best teams in the country? Are they one of the four best teams in the country? Are they one of the 16 best teams in the country? There should be very different variables that have to take into place, and and and, and the RPI doesn't do that. I'm not yeah. saying it's a bad tool to have, but you just said it right there. That's why... It was important that UCF get that LSU match uh, on the schedule because they're going to drop in the RPI when they play Connecticut, fair or not. That's that's going to happen. Even if they win twenty to nothing, doesn't matter. Uh, the RPI doesn't take scoring uh, margins into a, in, into play. I know some people have suggested maybe doing that. I, I don't, you know, I don't know about all that, but mm, I got a little uh, worried about that. But anyway, but yeah, so that's the problem. That's why that was big. 
that they can get that LSU match in, and it's a big match because you're right. They have LSU and USF, so at least you got two more marquee games to balance out with Connecticut uh, and Temple. So you hope that the goal is to maintain that high RPI to give yourself a chance uh, when the committee to be a high seed, maybe a one seed or a two seed. That's the key, and that way, hopefully, uh, the you know not have to take a flight or a long bus trip out of Central Florida. Yeah, <laughs> if things break right. So, so big match, big match on Sunday, big match. And credit, credit to Coach Sahadek and the staff for playing this game at LSU because I know there's some people that might say, "Oh, watch, I'm not going to go to your place. Forget it." No, she's trying. She's looking out for the best interest of her team. There's confidence in their own team, and they want to play the best no matter where it is. And I got to salute them for that. Yeah, I love it when when no matter what sport, when the coaches are like, "We'll play anyone anywhere. Bring it on." I just love right. that. So, uh, so UCF right now, like we said, nine one and one overall, number eight in the country, uh, sixteen points. Number eight. The, yeah, isn't that remarkable? I, I think we've lost. This was a team that missed the NCAA tournament last year. Um, and and let's be honest, was questions about this year. They weren't picked very high in the conference going into the season. Not that you read into that, but there was questions going into the season on how good this team would be. And now, who would have thought they'd be ranked eighth in the country? This was this is big for Coach Sahadek, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree? Because and we both like Coach Sahadek, but there was that question. And when you're following a great coach, there's always going to be this question. When you're following someone like Cromwell, people wonder. You know, and she won right away in 2014, but the thought was, well, she won with Cromwell's players, but can she recruit? Can she? Well, I think this year has proven yeah, that. Yeah, she's pretty much answered that pretty, pretty, pretty definitively. I'll say that should be so. should be in consideration for national coach of the year. Oh, no question, no question. Okay, no question. So we'll see how that works out against uh, LSU uh, as they uh, again. That's October the fifteenth. That's this coming Sunday at 2 p.m. No TV for that game, unfortunately, but uh, at Baton Rouge. Uh, so keep an eye out on that one October, on Sunday, 2 p.m. So, All right, flip over to men's soccer. Uh, they uh, are actually unbeaten in their last two. Uh, they got the win against Stetson, and then at home, tied Memphis, 1-1. Um, they've got a match Sunday at noon at home against Tulsa. Here's the story for UCF men's soccer. We've got to keep an eye on the standings here. Uh, UCF right now, like we said, only has, uh, like we said, right now only uh, only one point so far. Because remember, this is an abbreviated conference schedule. You only have eight teams that play soccer in, in the American. So you're playing seven conference games. The Knights are uh, 0-2-1 in the conference not off to the best start. I mean, you know, what, but what can we say about you know having all not having a home game until the middle of October, um, or at the beginning of October, I should say. But here's where you can catch up. You got Tulsa coming in at home on Sunday, and uh, Tulsa, by the way, one and two. So if you get three points there, okay, now you're at four. You got UConn coming up. Now UConn's undefeated. They're three and zero, six three and two overall. You're playing them on the road. That's going to be a tough game on Saturday, October twenty first. Tuesday, you got a Tuesday night at home against FAU. Then you're home for Temple and at Cincinnati to finish out. Okay, so if you're home for Temple, Temple's one and two. That's a, that's a winnable game. And you're at Cincinnati. They haven't won a game yet. So three of your so three of your conference games, I think, are winnable. And if you can steal a draw against UConn and win those three games, 
Doing the math in my head, that's that's ten points that you're going to add to your total. Eleven points, I think Eric could get UCF into the into the semis for the conference uh, for the conference championship, which is which is a, a four team tournament essentially. So uh, again, that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on uh, as uh, uh, as UCF heads down the stretch uh, against uh, against like we said Tulsa on Sunday, coming off that draw against uh, against Memphis. Tough tough break, not getting the win. It was uh, Andreas Steiniger who had a uh, who, who uh, scored the Knights' goal uh, against nice. Memphis. So, uh, congrats to the Knights again and uh, on getting you know getting getting the draw. A draw is certainly better than a win, at least. And like I said, they they might be you know kind of like it was toward the end of last year, right? You look at the record and you're like, oh gosh, they're not out of it, guys. Keep an eye out on it. This this thing could get interesting. In a hurry, if things if things work out, and if Matias Puzla gets hot down the stretch, look out. This could be this could be really interesting. I, I'm I'm looking forward to that to that game against Tulsa and the game against and seeing the result again at UConn. That should be interesting indeed. Tough 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 part of the schedule. I mean that that's the yeah. thing. The schedule has been front loaded. USF. I mean, remember USF? They could have won that match very easily. They had a lead. Right. Uh, weren't able to do it, and now they're going to play the defending conference tournament champions in Tulsa. Uh, that's going to be tough there. Uh, and then Connecticut is a team that's, and in fact, Connecticut, I'm going to see up close in person this Friday. I'm actually working sideline for the American Digital Network. Big match, USF Connecticut, mm-hmm. the two undefeateds in the conference. So I have a better idea about Connecticut uh, when we talk about that matchup next week. I know this: UConn's very young, and they're very defensive oriented. So. Um, that that's interesting, but the point is it's a back, it's a front loaded schedule. So you're right, UCF's got some opportunities if they can get a result. I think in one of these next two matches, and then kind of lock in in that second half, they can make a run to make the top four, uh, you know, and make the conference tournament. Yeah. So I'm going to be keep. We should be keeping an eye on them as as they head down the stretch, and if they get hot, which I think they certainly there's certainly potential for that to happen, things could get really interesting for them. All right, volleyball. The Knights are nine and nine on the season right now, um, and it was a tough, uh, tough roadie this past weekend because they had to do that Tulsa-Dallas road trip. Uh, they lost in five at Tulsa and then uh, got swept by SMU. So that's where the Knights stand right now is nine and nine, two and four in the league. But uh, as I'm looking at the volleyball standings once again. Uh, UCF right now is uh, tied for sixth in the league, and this is in a league that is just completely crowded in the middle. You've got Wichita and SMU, and we knew SMU is good. Wichita and SMU, they're both undefeated in the league, 6-0. and Then you've got three teams tied at 4-2, and East Carolina, Temple, Cincinnati. Then you've got one, two, three, four, five teams tied at two and four. UCF, UConn, Tulsa, USF, Houston. And we knew that it was going to be like this, right? I mean, you know, Tulane one and four, Memphis 0 and five, kind of bringing up the rear there. But um, we knew this would be that, – that this year would be like that. I mean, look at Cincinnati. Without Jordan Thompson, they got off to that bad start out of conference. They get into conference, they're four and two in the league. And they and they went. It came into our house and beat us. Um, you know, we know how SMU is SMU right now. I mean, it's looking good. So uh, the Knights are back at home this weekend, and they play the two Northeastern teams, UConn 
on Friday night, 7 p.m. And te- that's this is alumni weekend for UCF volleyball, and then uh, and then Temple Sunday at one, and that's the Dig Pink match. Uh, the uh, and again, looking at the standings, just a reminder: Tulsa, or excuse me, Temple four and two, UConn two and four. Winnable matches both, I think, for UCF, especially at home right now. And if you can get things done, you head out to that Houston two lane road trip that they have coming up including that two-lane match, which will be on the American Digital Network in New Orleans, um, then you could then you could kind of collect yourself and get yourself ready to go for that home match against Wichita for volleyball ten. That could be a big that could be a big boost as you head down the stretch. So uh, volleyball coming down the stretch, you got a lot. You know, like we said, there's still a lot of matches to go. Um, I'm just counting over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14 matches left to go this season in volleyball. So, uh, you know, compare that to soccer, where soccer's coming down the stretch now. I mean, and volleyball's ready to rock, man. Volleyball is it, volleyball's still got a lot of a lot of games left. Let me ask you this: So okay. far in the six matches conference, each Friday night match has gone five sets. Mm-hmm. UCF one is two and one, uh, beating an East Carolina team that I think you would agree is probably the biggest surprise so far in the league. Uh, the way they've played, yeah. uh, they have followed that up, losing to Cincinnati in three sets, lost at SMU, who right now is sending a message that, hey, we're not just going to hand this conference to Wichita State. Mm-hmm. Um, and they lost to Wichita State, so obviously the competition's been tough in the Sundays. How concerning, though, and, and, and I mean, it sounds weird, do you think that playing a five-set match on Friday has taken some of the – takes its toll – in some of these Sunday results where, you know, the team doesn't come out as well. Uh, and I think that's kind of something. Can UCF get a three or four set win at some point here? I think would be just as big from a, from a recovery standpoint, don't you think? Uh, I don't think that's as big a factor as you do, though okay. I do think it is a factor because, I mean, there, you know, you're talking about teams that, you know, during the preseason, the quote preseason. It. I mean, they'll play. They'll play double. Um, uh, what do you call it? They'll play. Uh, they'll play games. You know, double matches all the time. You could play two five setters in one day, and then you got to come back the next day in a, in a tournament and play and play again. Um, conference play is the easy part in terms of conditioning. Now on the road, I think it does matter. It, it does matter more than obviously if you're at home because then you know then five setter. Things go a little bit late. Which has happened here travel. two of the three weekends. That's right. right. But, it's happened here two of the three weekends. They've been on the road. I guess my point is, yes, it is a factor. No, it is not a deciding factor. I, I just think that the deciding yeah. factor right now is the fact that the rest of the conference is good. The rest well, of the conference is really good. I mean, you know, it's, it, I mean, you know, look around you. I mean, it, it got better with the addition of Wichita. And there's just it's just this mishmash in the middle right now. Well, and it didn't help that so far in the schedule they played the two top teams in the league right now on right. the road. Obviously, in Wichita State and SMU, yeah, and you'll get them back uh, on has, the and you'll get them back at home. You know, that's the other well, thing that's too. The thing. They're going to have to win win uh, home matches. I mean, yeah. you can't. You know, it, it, you're going to. And you're right. I think this weekend's big. Connecticut's a big match, and Temple. Obviously, I've, we've seen Temple though. Last year they played Temple twice. Each match went five sets. The road team won each one, which was interesting. Temple's a very good road team. Uh, last year, this year, obviously they've taking a step back a little bit but that's the thing if you got to protect your home court because you're right it's going to be hard 
to win road matches. And you look at this window, Connecticut, Temple at home, at Houston, at Tulane. This is an important four-match stretch here because after that, you mentioned it, you got Wichita State coming on the 27th. Uh, and then Memphis, and then you got to go back on the road. So mm-hmm. this is where you they got to make a move here. If you're going to make the move, this is it's a good time to start, right? Oh yeah, certainly. I, I think you know with those home matches, you know, like you said, you know, and we talked about you. You talked about how Temple is uh, you know four and two, but they're the team that has the best conference record out of every, everybody else who they're playing in these next four matches. UConn two and four, uh, nine and nine overall, just like UCF, but certainly you know at home winnable. Then you got Houston, who's two and four. Tulane, who's one and four in the league, even though Tulane's twelve and six, uh, remember it's the conference season that you know is the one that everyone's going to pay attention to. So those are two winnable road matches. Um, you could get at it. The best case scenario, by the way, and that's the situation. Best case scenario, say you say you win both matches at home, and you win both matches on the road. All of a sudden, you're six and four in the league, and. You know, you're you're up you're up in that top third, and and I think that's a good position to be when you're going to have those home matches coming back against SMU and Wichita State later on in the year. If you can get hot and you can stay healthy, anything's possible in, in this league. Certainly this year, I think. So uh, I will be uh, so I'll, so we'll be paying close attention uh, to that right now uh, as well. So. Yeah, it was it. it, it the, the schedule we said from the beginning it was going to be tough, but now now we're getting into the now we're getting into the meat of it, and this one should be should start to get real interesting in a hurry. So again, UCF volleyball. Don't forget uh, Friday, October uh, October the thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth, seven p.m. on UCFnights.tv. As is the Temple match on Sunday at one p.m. So uh, make sure you come on out for that on either side of uh, homecoming for football on Saturday. All right. Speaking of the weekend, Lopez, let's wrap this thing up. What do you got going on? Well, I'll be in Annapolis getting ready for you. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's next week. (laughs) That's what I'm looking ahead to. No, um, I will be in Tampa, believe it or not. I will be doing sideline for the big UConn-USF men's soccer match. And we talked about earlier, it's a big match. It's the top two teams in the league. And uh, it's UCF's going to be next week's opponent for UCF and UConn. So, lot big rivalry there in men's soccer with USF and Connecticut. This will be the tenth meeting, Jeff. Believe it or not, tenth meeting between these two schools since they've joined the in the conference here in twenty uh, the twenty thirteen, the fall of uh, was it twenty thirteen or twenty four? No, twenty four. Was it twenty thirteen or yeah, um, in the fall when the American got created? So mm-hmm. these teams have a history. They played postseason, very uh, different styles of uh, uh, approach. USF explosive offense, UConn dominant defense. So uh, I'll be doing sideline for that one from Tampa. So I'm one of the few people, probably the only person that could say I'll be on campus for a USF homecoming weekend because they have their homecoming uh, for men's soccer. And then obviously uh, football on Saturday when UCF has their homecoming against East Carolina. It's a it's an interesting weekend that I have uh, scheduled myself here for. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be busy, but you're you're gonna be packing up the frequent flyer miles. I think that's for Maybe sure. Maybe I, I might just fly out to Annapolis right now, though. I might just <laughs> after this, I might just say, you know what? Forget these. I might just go to Annapolis and, and put a car sign there, like "Bring Game Day Here." I might just do that. Just get, camp out in front of the campus that's at the right. Naval Academy. <laughs> that's right. Right, right by the state house. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> we bet, and by the way, I've been to Annapolis before. It's, it really is beautiful. You're really gonna enjoy it. So I think that's gonna be fun. 
Um, but nonetheless, hey, let's take care of business against East Carolina as well here. So uh, don't forget on blackandgoldbanneret.com, check out uh, Brian Murphy's going to have his cram session preview article coming up uh, in the next couple days here. Uh, Eric and I both have uh, some stuff that you want to check out. And make sure you follow us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. Also on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at... Eric Lopez Elo. And Brian is at Spokes underscore uh, Murphy. Don't forget you can subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. we got a busy weekend of UCF sports. It's going to be fun. Uh, and don't forget, of course, yes, above all things, don't forget our live blog of UCF against East Carolina uh, as the game happens. 7 o'clock kick on CBS Sports Network. If you can't make it to the game, uh, make sure you follow along the uh, the live blog uh, with us on blackandgoldbanneret.com. All right, Elo, thanks again, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Have fun. All right, and thanks to you, the listener. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We will catch you again next week. Don't forget our live blog on Saturday for UCF against ECU. Happy homecoming. <laughs>